for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. We hope that you will be encouraged and built up in your relationship with Jesus as you hear the preaching and teaching of God's Word. If Mission Church is not your home church, it is our heart that this podcast will be supplemental and not a substitute to you belonging to a local church in your community. If we can help you get connected to a church in your community, please let us know. Now we hope you enjoy the message from our Sunday gathering. Hey, what's up, Mission Church? My name is Travis. I'm one of the pastors here. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and open up to Acts chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible and you'd like to follow along, please feel free to check out the screen below. You can follow along there. Now, this morning, we're going to continue our teaching series through the book of Acts that we've entitled Empowered for Jesus' Mission. And like I tell you each and every week, Jesus isn't done with you. He's not done with me. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, he is right now seated at the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning and empowering his church here on earth. And today we're going to see that Jesus is empowering us to both declare as well as to demonstrate his gospel to those around us. Think about how you came to know Jesus or to hear about Jesus. For many of us, it's not just a name, but several names. We had several people in our life both share and show us who Jesus is. For example, when I first heard about Jesus, it was through this man by the name, or this kid by the name of Mike McCloskey. He had moved into my neighborhood from Pennsylvania, and each and every week he would seek opportunities to share and to show Jesus to me. He would oftentimes invite me to church, and I can't tell you for how many years I would decline his offer. Yet one day he wised up, and he played upon the passions of a middle school boy. He said, Travis, they play basketball at my church. They eat pizza at my church. And you know that girl you like? Guess what? She goes to this Friday night youth outreach at this church. Well, he didn't have to ask me again. I started to go. And as I went, each and every week, I would hear somebody else share and show the gospel with me. And that was the youth pastor by the name of Scott Hatfield. He would preach Jesus to me. He would show Jesus to me in the conversations we would have after the service. Yet eventually, what ended up happening is the basketball got lame, the pizza was just pizza, and the girl broke up with me. All of my reasons for going to church ceased, except for this, my father. You see, my dad would oftentimes have to drag me into the car to get me to go to religious services. Yet he noticed that he did not have to drag me to go to this church, and instead of telling me not to go, you know what he did? He started going himself. He sat in the Sunday morning gathering and he heard Pastor Bob preach the gospel. With that, Jesus was so gracious to my father and opened up his heart to receive him. And then, immediately upon receiving Jesus, guess what my dad started to do? He started to share Jesus, declare Jesus with his words to me. But then he started to demonstrate Jesus and to show Jesus to me with his actions. In my life, I had three people, Mike, Scott, and my father, constantly sharing and showing Jesus to me, declaring and demonstrating him in my life. And by God's grace, I eventually, too, became a Christian. And guess what I do now? I'm empowered, just like they are, by the Holy Spirit to both demonstrate and declare Jesus to the world around me. And that's what we see the church in Acts doing. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and look in Acts chapter 5, verse 12. This is what we read. Many signs and wonders were being done among the people through the hands of the apostles. So last week, we saw the death of Ananias and Sapphira. And many of you might be wondering, what is going to happen to the church after an event like that? Well, Luke, who is a physician and a doctor, he tells us what happens. He says that the church continued to gather and that the apostles did what? They displayed signs and wonders to everyone around them. 
It's important for you to understand that these signs and wonders weren't being done behind closed doors. Rather, these signs and wonders were being done where? Out in the public. And why do I share that with you? It is because this is to be expected. I hear so many people mistakenly say things like, I have a private faith. Jesus has come into my heart. He is with me, but he does not really impact my public life. Yet I can't think of anything that is more antithetical to the New Testament. You see, there is no such thing as a person who is indwelled by the Spirit of God who does not share Jesus through their words and their actions with those around them. You see, the apostles were serving and loving people out in the public, out in the faces of other people in the community. Many years ago, I had the opportunity to go with some friends into a part of our city to serve people in a tangible way. We took batteries and light bulbs down into this community so that people could make sure their smoke detectors were working and they had light bulbs to illuminate their home. Now, I was with a buddy of mine and my wife, and my son at that time was a baby, and my wife was carrying him on her chest in like an infant carrier. And as we were walking around, this man in the community walked up to us and he saw us. He looked right at us. He said, what are you doing in my neighborhood? And I remember responding to him as I stepped between him and my wife saying, what do you mean by that? He goes, what are you doing in my neighborhood? Nobody brings a kid into this neighborhood unless they're up to something. With that, my friend shared with him that we were just simply down there to share and show Jesus in a tangible way by handing out light bulbs and batteries to the community. With that, this man lifted up his shirt. He said, I've been shot here, here, and here. Tell me, why am I alive? And without missing a beat, my friend shared with him the gospel. We watched as this man fell to the ground and began to weep and repent of his sins. He jumped up and he said, I have the resources to buy these supplies. I don't need them. But can I take some of these supplies and hand them out into the community to people that I know are in need? And with that, we watched as this man took light bulbs and batteries and went door to door handing those things out. Now, Mission, I understand what is happening in this text in the book of Acts is miraculous. But I do not want us to miss the simple truth that what the apostles were doing were just meeting needs openly and publicly. You see, you have to understand that as we go through the books of Acts, we see that followers of Jesus both declare Jesus with their words, but they demonstrate who Jesus is with their service. And it's not like you and I just simply go around meeting physical needs. We seek to meet spiritual needs too. You see, if our service is not done in the name of Jesus, then all you and I are doing are te is temporarily fixing an eternal problem. That is why we are going to see that the apostles are going to what? Share Jesus with their words. This is why my friend shared Jesus with his words to that man downtown. And I will never forget meeting with a group of older men and watching them as we would eat breakfast, share Jesus with their actions and with their words to the people who serve the table. Each Wednesday for a season of my life at 5.30 in the morning, I would meet with a group of older men at a country club. And every single time, they would sit down and eat breakfast. They would ask the guy at the, who served our table by the name of Jim, they would ask him, how can we be praying for you? Each and every week, I watched as these older men would pray for him, pray for his family, pray for his kids. And then I had the opportunity and the privilege to watch these men surround a baptistry as they baptized Jim because he 
trusted in Jesus as a result of them both sharing and showing, declaring and demonstrating Jesus into his life. You see, why does this happen, guys? Because I believe that Jesus is empowering his followers to declare and to demonstrate him to the community around us. And it's not like the apostles were just serving and sharing in the public, but we also see that this church was empowered to worship in public. Look what it says in the rest of verse 12. They were all together in Solomon's colonnade. Now we saw earlier in our study uh, through the book of Acts that the early church was gathering together in the temple courts. Now we see that they are gathering together in Solomon's colonnade. Why is that? Well, many people believe that potentially one of the religious rulers, one of the people in the establishment became a Christian. And as a result of that, the arrest of the religious council got ticked off. And they kicked them out of the temple courts. And at this point in our text, the early church is paying rent to meet in Solomon's colonnade. Now, this place was absolutely huge. Thousands of people could meet here. Think of a convention center or maybe a, like a lecture hall and you've got the right idea. And the church would frequently gather together in Solomon's colonnade to worship Jesus, to hear the apostles preach, and to care and love for one another in public. And as we go through the book of Acts, we see that the early church meets regularly by the hundreds, if not the thousands. But we also see them meet regularly in smaller groups by the dozens. The book of Hebrews is, a, is just extremely helpful. The author of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 10, 23 through 25 this, Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other all the more as you see the day approaching. You see, the early church did not make this up. The leaders within this church, they followed Jesus around. They experienced and witnessed Jesus teaching hundreds, if not thousands, on a mountainside, in a field, or by a lake. Yet they also watched as Jesus met in smaller communities by the dozens. And what we see is that the church in Acts just simply followed suit. They gathered all together in large groups to come under the apostles' teaching and to worship. And they gathered in smaller communities and homes to care and love for one another. And that's what we do here at Mission. You see, we did not make this up, friends. This wasn't some slick ministry model that we thought, hey, this would be really effective. Rather, all we are doing is what the early church did and what they have been doing for the past 2,000 years. You see, Mission, this is so important. If we've learned anything over this pandemic, it's that you and I are created for embodied and in-placed relationships. Zoom meetings and FaceTime has been helpful. Online sermons have been helpful. But we have noticed that they do not in any way meet the need that you and I really long for. That you and I really want somebody with, just lack of better words, with some skin on somebody in space and place. Recently, I found myself uh, in isolation because I came into close contact with somebody who tested positive for COVID-19. So as soon as I got that information, I isolated up in my room. And I'll be honest with you, the first four days were great. 
just to be able to rest and to recover from a busy season of ministry. But after those four days, I started to get really lonely. Now my wife, she set up FaceTime on this little table that I had and I would be upstairs while my family was downstairs eating dinner, but basically eating dinner through technology. It was helpful. It was good. But you know what was so much better than that? Was the day that I was able to walk out of that room and hug my daughters, hug my wife, you know, fist bump my son. That is what brought me so much joy. Why? Because you and I are created for enfleshed relationships. I was recently introduced to this show on Hulu called Alone. And on this show, contestants can win up to $500,000 if they're able to survive out in some of the harshest of elements, harshest of, of wilderness, you know, like basically Mongolia and Patagonia. These people will go on the show, they'll make a shelter, they will hunt and they will fish. They will try to survive the best they know how. Contestants on the show can lose anywhere from 50 to 60 pounds while they're out there. But you know what they say they have the hardest time with? Is the isolation. There was a man who was on this show. And by all you know, appearances, he was killing it. He had an amazing shelter that was able to last. He had enough food to get through the winter. He even made and carved a bowling set to help himself with his boredom. Yet after 55 days, you know what he did? He tapped out. Why is that? He said he could not handle the isolation. He missed his community. He ended up going back onto the show to redeem himself, but again, he tapped out. Why? He missed his community. Many people go onto the show proclaiming that they have no issue with isolation. But even the toughest of competitors after two weeks will oftentimes tap out. Why? Because they miss people. You see, Mission, the church is not a building. It is not chairs. It's not the school that we meet in on Sundays. It's not even my home. You see, the church is not a special place. The church met in the temple courts. Now they're in Solomon's colonnade. We're going to see as we journey through the book of Acts that they meet in taverns, they meet in marketplaces, and they meet in large homes. You see, the church is not a building. It is people who have been saved by Jesus, who gathered together in large groups to worship Jesus and to come under the teaching of Jesus. But they also meet in smaller communities to love and to care for one another. In the Bible, you have 59 one another commands. We are to love one another, serve one another, pray for one another, teach one another. You cannot do that in isolation. And so the early church friends, they would meet together, demonstrating Jesus through their service publicly, but also declaring who Jesus is publicly through their worship. And what was the response to all this? Well, we see there are two. First, look at verse 13. Here's what we read. No one else dared to join them, but the people spoke well of them. Now, who are they not joining? There's some debate over this. Some scholars believe that they don't want to join the apostles. Other people say, well, they don't want to join the church. Either way, though we see them not wanting to join, we're going to see here in a second that many people, a multitude of people, do join. But why are these people not daring to join the community? Well, some people think it's because of the holiness that was displayed in the church. 
You might remember from last week that Ananias and Sapphira came under judgment for what? Lying in the church, right? Because of what they did. And some people think that the reason some people didn't want to join the church is because they were afraid of that holiness. They didn't want to be around it. Other people think that the reason they did not want to join the church is because what we're going to see next week, that this religious establishment gets jealous and they start to persecute the church, trying to arrest them and abolish the name of Jesus from the face of the earth. Either way, though they did not want to join them, what does the text say? They spoke well of them. Some of you know that Tom Brady, the quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, is about to play in his 10th Super Bowl. Some of you watching right now, you don't care about that. Others of you want to turn this off right now because I mentioned the name Tom Brady because you can't stand him. You can't stand the fact that he always wins. You cannot stand the fact that he's on so many commercials. You cannot stand the fact that he played for the Patriots. So many of us would say that the only reason Tom Brady was good is because his head coach was Bill Belichick. And he was in Belichick's system, right? Yet Bill Belichick's not in the Super Bowl, is he? Who is? Tom Brady. And that drives you nuts. Yet you know what I've been hearing lately? And it's kind of surprising. There are people who still cannot stand Tom Brady. There are people who are rooting against him in the Super Bowl. But you know what they're saying now? I respect him. I respect him. He deserves to be there. In the same way, I've been a part of churches in which people could not stand what we were about. They would not join us. They didn't like the exclusivity of our message that we would say Jesus is the only way. They didn't really appreciate our stance on sexuality and sin. But you know what was interesting? Even though many of those people would not join us, they would oftentimes respect what it was we did in the community. You see, at Mission Church, we exist to partner with God to see His kingdom come in Las Vegas as it is in heaven. That's rooted right out of the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. Now, at Mission Church, we do not believe that our church is the kingdom. We believe our church is the outpost of the kingdom, not to do our will, but to do God's will and to see His kingdom come in our city. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 this, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. How do we do that? I would argue by declaring and demonstrating Jesus in our community, by loving one another, but also loving the city around us with our words and our actions. I've been a part of churches in which people were frustrated with our message, but they would oftentimes comment how much they appreciated what we did for foster children or what we did for teachers and providing them meals and supplies, what we did for widows and refugees and people who are homeless. I have talked with people who love the, the heart of the people within Mission Church and how generous they are, that they will go to the grocery for them, that they will help them out in their yards, that they will watch their pets while they're away. They may not agree or like their message, but you know what? They like what they do. And maybe by God's grace, as we continue to be faithful, to both share and to show, those people will come to be a part of the church, to be added like Luke is going to tell us. You see, though some people did not want to join, Luke tells us that many people were added to the church, coming to faith in Jesus. Look at verses 14 through 15. Believers were added 
And if you got a Bible, circle that. Believers were added to the Lord in increasing numbers, multitudes of both men and women. As a result, they would carry, they would bring the sick into the streets and lay them on cots and mats so that when Peter came by, at least a shadow might fall on some of them. So some of the people didn't want to join. But Luke tells us that the church kept growing. He says that multitudes of what? Men and women were added to the church. How? By people carrying or bringing the sick to the apostles. Now, don't make a mistake here. People were healed. Absolutely. But I do not think that is the crux or the point of this passage. Though people were healed, we see that a greater joy took place in their life, for Luke uses this word, added. And when you read in the book of Acts, anytime you see that word added, it always refers to people coming to faith in Jesus. Yes, there was healing, but church, there was something far greater taking place in people. People were turning from their sins, and they were trusting in what Jesus had done through his perfect life, death, and resurrection to bring them into a relationship with God. The author of Hebrews is, again, so helpful here, for he tells us what is the purpose of the miracles. Listen to what it says in Hebrews 2. This salvation had its beginning when it was spoken of by the Lord, and it was confirmed to us by those who heard him. At the same time, God also testified by signs and wonders, various miracles and distributions of gifts from the Holy Spirit according to his will. You see, what is the purpose of miracles? It is to validate the message of Jesus. You see, like I shared with you last week, miracles are signs that show us here and now what will one day be true of all of those who trust in Jesus. You might remember that man who was born lame several weeks ago and how he was healed. You look at the people here right now who are being healed. Friends, this is or will be true of all of those who trust in Jesus. Some of you, by God's grace, you might be healed now. Some of you may not be healed until the resurrection or till the end of time. Yet regardless of whether you are healed now or you are healed later, what, this is, tr what is true is that all of us will one day be healed. And what God is showing in this text is glimpses here and now that he has the power to be true to his promise that he will one day restore all things. You see, I have seen people healed in this life. Some of you might remember from a few weeks back me telling you about that young man who came to the elders. His parents brought him to the elders to pray for him because he had an inoperable tumor in his body that needed to be shrunk down so that it could be removed. And it was a miracle that this young man's tumor shrunk and the doctors could remove it. And you know what happened in that young man's life? People all around him came to know Jesus. Family members came to know Jesus. People in the medical community came to know Jesus. Why? Because of what took place in this young man's life. There was another man that had the opportunity uh, to visit. He suffered from a stroke and he was unable to use his body. Yet I watched as a friend prayed for him. And the next thing I saw was this man start to move and to get up and to walk around and he handed me a cup of coffee. But you know what that man did? He didn't just boast in the fact that he was healed, 
but he would often use his story of being healed to tell other people about Jesus. What you have to see is that the healing is not just about the person. Yes, it is for that person, but it is for that person to both share and show, declare and demonstrate Jesus to the world around them. And for just as many people I've seen healed, I have seen so many other people who haven't been healed in this life, but held with confident assurance that one day Jesus was going to heal them in the next life. And I've seen people come to faith through that. Recently, um, our family watched the funeral of a good friend of ours who passed away from COVID-19. I had the privilege and the opportunity to be one of the people to help this person come to faith in Jesus Christ. In her life, she struggled physically from cancer and from a stroke. Yet from the moment she started walking with Jesus, I cannot recall a single situation in which she did not have a smile on her face. And my family, we prayed for her. People all over the country were praying for her. She was not healed. And at her funeral, though it was sad, there was great joy. Because we watched as this young man stood up and he talked about how he was eventually, like in the coming, coming weeks, going to get baptized because he's placed his faith in Jesus because of the faithfulness of both this woman and her husband to share and to show Jesus into his life, even in the midst of this pain. You see, my friend was not healed, but I can tell you this, my friend had the confident assurance and hope that at the resurrection, she was going to be resurrected in a body in which cancer cannot touch, in which a stroke cannot touch, and which COVID-19 cannot touch. You see, each person who was healed in this text, friends, eventually what? Died. That is why the point of the text is not in the fact that they were healed, but rather the point of the text is in the fact that they were added to the church. For their greatest joy in their life wasn't in their healing, but being found in Jesus. That's what Luke is telling us. You see, people were healed physically, but people were also healed spiritually. Look at the last verse, verse 16. In addition, a multitude came together from the town surrounding Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those who were tormented by unclean spirits. And they were all healed. Now, it's important for us to realize that there are spiritual realities amongst us. Some of us, when it comes to the spiritual and the demonic, we make two mistakes. One is what I call excessive fanaticism, that we just basically blame everything on Satan and demons. Others of us make the mistake of what I call empty rationalism, and that is basically saying everything can be explained through the science. Yet I will never forget this mother who called me on the phone one day. She said to me, I need you to meet with my son because he speaks words that he doesn't know and he speaks it in a very violent tone. I think he's, he's basically possessed. I will never forget as he walked down the hallway with his mother, I was kind of in a posture ready to defend myself. I asked his mother, can I speak to him in private for a moment? I called him into my office. We sat down and I looked at him and I said, what are the words that you are saying? And with that, he started to say cuss words in a very angry tone. And when I asked him, where did you hear those words? 
He said, from my dad. So I got up from my chair. I took this young boy. I walked out in the hallway and I told the woman, I found Satan. It's her husband. She didn't think that was that funny. But what you've got to understand is what did she suffer from? Excessive fanaticism, right? Blaming everything on demons. We can't do that. Yet there's others of us who believe in what I call empty rationalism, thinking that everything can be explained through the sciences. But that is not true. I've been in parts of the world, friends, in which I vividly remember this young woman who was not much taller than my oldest daughter throwing off men like they were nothing as they were praying for her. I remember talking to a woman that every time she heard the name Jesus or heard preaching, her demeanor would change, her voice would change, and she would start throwing out accusations against people, calling out their sins. Why? Because I would argue Satan is an accuser. I cannot explain why those things happen. I cannot explain it. But what I see happening in this text is people who were experiencing spiritual oppression were what? Healed. Why is that? Because 1 John is so explicitly clear that he who is in us, that is Jesus, is greater than he who is in the world. That for those of us who are in Christ, the demonic cannot harm us, cannot overrule us. Why? Because Jesus is so much greater. People were bringing their friends who were physically ill. People were bringing their friends who were spiritually ill to God and to God's people. And what was happening? The gospel was just blowing up in their lives. That Jesus was becoming so much bigger. They were turning from their sins and they were being added to the church. And the question you got to ask yourself is, are you one of those spirit-empowered Christians who God has placed his spirit inside of you to both declare and to demonstrate Jesus to those around you. Who are the people in your life right now who need to hear that good news? Friend, you have to understand that Jesus inside of you is so much stronger than anything in the world around you. That Jesus has done everything to what? To bring you into a right relationship with God. Therefore, no matter what befalls you in this life, it will not win. Why? Because Jesus has conquered the grave and he is coming back to right all wrongs. And what that should do is empower us in the here and now to publicly and openly declare and demonstrate Jesus to the people around us. I heard somebody once say that Christians are like manure. And I know that sounds kind of gross, but just go with me. I heard somebody once say that Christians are like manure. You pile them all up, they're going to stink really bad. Yet you spread them over a field, what happens? They can do some good. And in the same way, you are meant to be sent by Jesus to both declare and demonstrate Him in the community around you for His glory, for your joy, and I also believe for the joy of those you know. You see, I thank God for Mike McCloskey. That kid was relentless. No matter how many times I told him no, he kept inviting. Sang in my wedding. So influential in my life. Love that man. And I thank God for Scott Hatfield. Scott Hatfield has been there for me in some of the darkest moments of my life. And that man was always faithful 
to both share and to show through his life and through his works the good news of Jesus. And I thank God for my dad. As many times as he tried to share Jesus with me and show Jesus with me, I would often reject him, but the dude never gave up. And he was empowered by the Spirit just to keep going. Who are those people in your life? If you're a Christ follower right now, I'd encourage you, send them a text, give them a call, thank them for being faithful. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus right now, I would just ask you to look at Jesus to see how big and glorious He is and place your trust in Him today. Mission, I love you. Let's pray. Father, we come before you right now and we just thank you so much for the good news of who Jesus is and what He's done. And we thank you, Father, that you have added so many of us into your kingdom because your plan has always been for your people to declare and demonstrate Jesus to those around them. And so we thank you for the spirit you placed inside of those people. We thank you for the spirit that you placed inside of us. And we just ask you now to use us, God, for your glory, our joy, and the defeat of the enemy in our city, in our hearts, and our lives. May this be a year, Father, in which we see many people added to your family so that they can be brought into that same joy. God, we love you. We thank you for this grace. We pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen.